From Bumble Australia and Shameless Media, this is Love Etc. Does the way they breathe make you want to die sometimes? Do you just bring out the worst in each other? Welcome to Love Etc. We're your hosts, Michelle Andrews and Zara McDonald. Hello, you're listening to Love Etc., a podcast by Bumble Australia, the social networking app where women make the first move. Today, we're talking all about how to differentiate a floor from a deal breaker, and we're starting with the beehive. Michelle, let's hear from some of the listeners today as to what their red flags are. I'm not very good at seeing them, um, but probably not replying to messages well. Like if they're different with their mates than around their mates than they are with you. Someone that doesn't have family values, I think. Yeah. Like, that just doesn't want to spend time with their own family. That'll be like, let's just go do things. But it's like, don't you want to see your family too? (laughs) For me, it's like control. Like, they try and, like, tell me what to do or something like that. I'm sort of like, nah, man, not not into it. Not into it because, you know, I'm my own person sort of thing. Um, I think if they're too overly invested in the relationship and they don't have their own life. Talking shit about other women, like, they say shit about their mum or their past girlfriends definitely like an inability to communicate like I don't know like how they're feeling and it makes me feel like like I like, makes me question myself yeah arrogance oh my god is disgusting it's the most unattractive thing in the world I think god I associate it with some of those which ones <laughs> I think in particular when your partner speaks poorly about their mother or about women in general I know that I was dating a guy when I was a bit younger this was like maybe five years ago now and the biggest red flag for me was how he spoke about his mum he was a very patronizing very nasty particularly when he was talking about her level of intelligence and he really made out that compared to his brother and his dad his mum was just a complete idiot that's so interesting and I can't understand how a guy like that wouldn't understand that that would be a deal breaker for a young woman. And it's funny because I don't think I ever vocalized that it was a deal breaker. I think I just ghosted him. I never said to him, you shouldn't talk about your mum that way. It was just like a mental note in my head where I was like, this is the last time I'm going to be seeing this guy. Well, it really does lack that self-awareness. I do agree though, that the way that a guy will talk about women generally has a huge impact on how I feel about him. I know there's that classic idea that if a guy says to you, when you start seeing him, you're not like all the other girls, that would turn me off the far. <laughs> Because all the other girls are clinically insane. And you're not. And then you think, well, get to know me and you'll realise that I'm a little insane too. Women are the worst, aren't we? (laughs) The absolute worst. Why don't we start with the ick today? Because I feel like you are especially passionate about this concept of the ick. And I feel like people have many different names for the ick. Yes. When you became single, I turned to you and I said, Zara, just you wait. You are going to experience the ick over and over and over again if you're new into the dating scene. And you looked at me with this blank face and went, what is the ick? I think that this is probably my favorite topic when it comes to dating culture, because when I was single, I experienced the ick so many times. Have you experienced it yet? 
I can understand what it is. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so for those who don't know, I see the ick as something really small that you notice about your partner. It's inconsequential. It's not like a red flag moment. It's not like he speaks poorly about his mum. It might be the kinds of socks that he wears or how he smells or what he likes to eat for breakfast every morning. It is like a cascading effect from that one tiny little detail that you don't like. Suddenly you can't stand this person anymore. And the last thing in the world that you want to do is ever date him again. It's out of the blue. It's really surprising. And all of a sudden you can't stand him or I, her. I love Urban Dictionary in these kinds of scenarios. Like oh, I love, did you look it up? Like, I did look it up on Urban Dictionary because I would love to see how the every man or every woman explains uh, the ick. And this is the, the top response right now. You could be on the chirps. <laughs> You could be on the chips <laughs> with a guy or girl. Everything seems to be going fine. You think you like them, but then you suddenly catch the ick. From then on, you can't look at that person in the same way. You just progressively get more and more turned off by them, weirdly, and maybe for no reason in particular, grossed out by then. You'll cringe at the thought of you and them together. Can I give you a couple of examples of when I got the I ick? would love a couple of examples. Okay. So I was dating a guy. We were probably dating for a couple of months. And I got the ick when I realized that he smelt like chicken soup every morning because he, for breakfast every morning, would have chicken thigh with carrot and celery. Oh, I know, for that's breakfast. disgusting anyway. For breakfast. So I'd come over and we'd like go on a coffee date and he would just reek of chicken thigh and that like casserole smell. And as soon as I identified why it was and the fact that he was eating that for breakfast every morning, I was like, I cannot Would date you. Would he not you. shower after or I think he was showering teeth. before and then eating the chicken thigh ensemble. That's disgusting. So it was the chicken <laughs> that turned you off. It was the chicken smell that turned me off. Wait, like I know I was so attracted to him. I thought he was the sexiest person to ever walk the earth. And as soon as I identified this smell with his breakfast behavior, done. Like it, he may as well have been a woman because I'm straight. I had no sexual attraction to him at all. Doesn't that make you funny? Doesn't it make you think though in these scenarios, what have people got the ick about with you? <laughs> mm, yeah, no, a hundred percent probably. I've got so many, I eat pizza with a spoon. So I'm sure lots of people wouldn't be into that. My second ick story. And this, now that I'm looking at it, it might be a bit more of a red flag story, but I'll hear your opinion on it. I was dating a guy again for a couple of months and when we went to go get petrol and I think we were doing like a Macca's drive-thru. Romantic. He, yeah, when we went to go get petrol, we would have been 18 or 19. He only filled up his car with under $5 because that's all he could pay for at the time. And so he went in and handed the guy a $5 note and got like his 20 cents back or whatever. And I just remember this this gloomy feeling washing over <laughs> me. <laughs> That makes me feel sick. This gloom washing over me where I'm thinking, (laughs) oh, my God. He was a bit older. I think he was almost 20. And he's going into petrol stations handing over $5. And I I will say this as well. It wasn't like he was from a low socioeconomic background. He was just fucking awful awful with money he would have gone out the night before and blown like a hundred dollars on drinks he wasn't his family wasn't struggling at all it wasn't like a you're poor and i'm not gonna date you anymore it was a you're shit with money and i can't stand that there's a huge difference Mm. there between going in and paying for petrol because that's what you feasibly have in your bank account at that moment or that's kind of all you've prioritized to spend (laughs) on petrol at that moment (laughs) i can't work out if that's a red flag or an ick i think it's both (laughs) yeah and it was a massive ick i never saw him again 
I read a piece on the tab, which is from a couple of years ago about the ick, where they interviewed a clinical psychologist called Emma Citron, who said, if the ick occurs after a few dates with a previous stranger, it's usually a sign that they are perhaps not the person you thought they were. And I know that sounds like a really simple quote, but for me, it's I started thinking a lot about the ick and how so many people are turned off by, by someone who was a previous stranger after just a few dates. And I think it speaks to how we fall in love with the idea of someone so quickly. We don't actually like this person for who they are. We often fall in love with the idea of who they could be. And we think ahead too much. We get ahead of ourselves. And then when they kind of move away from this narrow idea of what we think they should be or what we could be together, suddenly we get repulsed. Yeah, Maybe. I mean, I think what you've just said really links into an opinion piece that was in Pedestrian, written by columnist Melissa Mason earlier this year. And she was saying, this is the headline actually, the ick is bullshit and we've got to stop using it as a reason to break up. And her contention was that millennials are so black and white and we're so fickle and we're so impatient that as soon as anything turns us off someone, we just throw our hands in the air and go, well, I don't like you at all now. And I don't necessarily agree. I do think this can happen and it's a really good indication of someone that you're not probably going to be compatible with. I think it's really important to actually listen to the ick. And I don't think, unlike Melissa Mason, I don't think that we should push through the ick and just stay with someone. I think if you have an early warning sign that maybe they're eating chicken thigh for breakfast and you don't like that, it's probably indicative of a much larger problem at play. I have to say, I think I'm somewhere between the two of you. I do think there are elements of truth to what (laughs) Melissa Mason is saying, that there is something to be said for us being a little bit spoiled or a little bit too picky. And when I say we, I'm talking about me. And I think it comes to personality traits. I think I freak out way too much before dating people, which can manifest in maybe a pseudo ick, right? (laughs) And I know we're getting into the nitty gritty here, which I would need to push past. Like maybe I'm concocting an ick that doesn't exist because I'm terrified of what dating actually looks like, or I'm terrified of pushing past the awkward conversation barrier. Maybe. So maybe there are people like me out there who actually do need to push past that and say, actually get to know the person before you judge them on these really kind of futile things. That said, I also agree with you in that doesn't it say something a bit bigger that if you're turned off by something so small, what are you going to be turned off later on? And I'm sorry, life is too short to push through the ick and be having intimate relations with someone that you're physically now not attracted to. Life is too short. Listen to the ick, move on without resentment, ghost them. I will say ghost them because that's what I do. But if you get the ick, it's often really early on. It's like on the second date or the third date maybe. You don't need to then push through that and check if they're going to be a soulmate. If you're getting the ick so early on and if you're already nitpicking at someone so early on, it's a sign that person's not your person. Okay. Just to throw a little spanner in the works here too, I have had a friend who recovered from the ick and has been with her partner for six (gasps) years. And she had full ick to the point where she would, we would be at school. I hope she's not listening to this. And she definitely she, is. She Give her would, a name. She would recoil at the thought of him. He would walk past and she would cringe and we would like hide her or we would run away and she couldn't even look at him or be around him. But that's a puberty thing. That's a like growing into an adult and not being a 17 year old so, ick. I yeah. feel like it's still legitimate. They're very happy. Please come and tell us if you're an adult and you originally had the ick for your now partner, please come and prove me wrong. I'm just going to put my hand in the air and say that I think I'm right. That said, I should clarify with all my points that I am the Royal Highness of pickiness. Mm, Before I was with Mitch, I would 
flake on dates with basically everyone. I would always find reasons not to date someone. But the reason I think what I now do is because I then found Mitch and I'm not saying Mitch is flawless or that I love all of his behaviors or all of his traits, but nothing that he does or did in those early stages of dating was enough for me to go, Ooh, I don't want to see him again. Like I was obsessed with him the moment I met him. So I think comparing my relationship with Mitch to all of the guys I dated before, it's very clear to me that the ick is a warning sign. And I never had a warning sign with Mitch. He could have been eating chicken thigh all day, every day. And I still would have been madly in love with him. How gross is early love? (laughs) How gross is chicken thigh? How gross is love in general? See, this is the thing that annoys single people like me when people like you say you've got to push through all of the shit relationships to find the good ones I can't be fucked sitting through the shit dates of awkward small talk I cannot be bothered I do think it comes down though to what we're actually judging when we get the ick were they rude or were they doing something gross and maybe excusable I unpopular opinion think the chicken was probably excusable I think, though, when it comes to relationships and dating, I am such a hypocrite. And you have called me difficult more times in the last week than ever about dating because I I hold people to a higher standard than I hold myself. Mm. And I don't think I'm the only one. I think there's a lot of us moving through the world in the dating scene that do hold the people we're talking to to a higher standard. And they might do something that I would do myself and be like, oh, You're disgusting. Well, you're at the stage now where if you match with someone on Bumble and he dares to say one sentence that you're not a fan of, you'll be like, nah, never applying to you. I actually do have a funny story that's from this morning. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Somebody told me. Imagine if this guy's listening. I know. I hope not. Somebody told me that they had a podcast this morning and I rolled my eyes and thought, God, they must love the sound of their own voice. I don't have one (laughs) podcast. I have two. (laughs) That's me holding people to a higher standard than, than myself. Give us his name. Absolutely not. <laughs> What's his podcast? Everyone can go know. listen to it. I don't know. I do like being picky though. I mean, that level of pickiness is very unfair, but being picky is good because it means that you aren't wasting your time on people where you don't see a future there. I think lots of my friends and lots of women that I've met in general have stayed in relationships or dated someone for much longer than they needed to because their standards weren't where they needed to be. I think it's good to have high standards because yeah, you might not be jumping from relationships to a relationship. You might not be committing to monogamy with different men all the time, but it might mean that you're single for five years and then you find a guy that does fit. I know one of the girls in our um, friendship groups, like distant friend, friend of a friend, she did that. She was always the single girl and she tried so hard to find the right guy, but she was single for years and years and years. And it wasn't until she was like 27 that she met the love of her life and was like, yep, this is it. This is what I've been waiting for. I don't think being picky or getting the ick early on is a bad thing at all. Do you think there's there's elements of condescension when you're telling people that they're too picky? And I, I've been calling myself too picky. We're calling each other too picky. But do you think there's an element of like, you think you're too good, just get over yourself a little bit to it when we talk about women being picky? I don't know. Maybe. I mean, I ne- I've never ever thought of it that way, but maybe yes. You're... I'm shooting from the hip here because we are calling each other picky. But I do think there is this sense that like, come on, get on with it, sit through dates you don't want to sit through just for the sake of it. But should people have to do that? I mean, probably because you do need to sift through the weeds to find the prince. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) I think you should still date around. You should still go and meet people. But I'm just saying you shouldn't stay with them for longer than you need to. I think it all comes back to the Makona ad 
which I've brought up with you before. Makona's a coffee company and their tagline is never settle for less than special. And I remember watching that when I was a teenager being like, this is a lot about love. Like I will never settle for less than special. Oh, that is so lovely. I wonder if anyone from Makona is listening. (laughs) What do you think the difference between a deal breaker and a flaw is? Because I think everybody's deal breakers and everybody's flaws are different. And for example, some of your deal breakers might be some of my flaws and Mm. some of my flaws might be some of your deal breakers. Mm. I'm interested in some of your absolute no-go deal breakers. All right. Absolute no-go deal breakers have a lot to do with someone's values, I think. I'll actually give you an example to illustrate what I think the difference is. I think everyone's flawed, number one. So you are never going to find a person where you don't think they have flaws. Obviously, you're rolling your eyes, but it needs to be said, Zara McDonald. (laughs) Thanks very much. I think the difference in my mind is it might be a flaw if you're dating someone and you don't align with their political beliefs and their political opinions. So I might be dating someone as a left-leaning woman and they might be right-leaning or they might be overly conservative. I don't see that as an immediate deal breaker. What I would consider a deal breaker is if their intrinsic values that make them who they are as a person conflict with my own. So you can associate with the right side of politics and I can associate with the left. That's totally fine. The difference would be if you have racist, homophobic, transphobic values and that immediately conflicts with what I hold dear to my heart and what I think is compassionate and what what I think everyone should hold deep inside of them. I think that would be a deal breaker. If I was dating someone who was homophobic, for example, or anti-trans people, I wouldn't be able to stay with them. But I would be able to stay with them if they were just voting for a different political party. Would that be a good comparison for you? Yeah, that's completely the same. I mean, I dated someone for years who voted very differently to me, but the crux of it was our values were exactly the same. We just found different ways to vote for different people if that makes sense. Like mm. our priorities when it came to a voting system was very were very different. Mm. Um, I do think a classic flaw that a lot of women talk about is this idea of are they identifying as a feminist, both male or female, the person that I'm dating, are they identifying as a feminist? And I would consider that a flaw, not a deal breaker. I mean, we talk a lot and we know that feminism has a PR problem. It's not a surprise that somebody might not understand the core ideas of what feminism is about and sort of reject that label. I think it's all about their actions, not their words. Mm. For me, a deal breaker, like a fundamental early deal breaker that you can tell very early, because I think some of these are hidden for a while, would be arrogance. I think that's pretty easy to pick up. And somebody that probably has a penchant of taking themselves too seriously. But for some people, that could be a flaw. Like for me, that's a deal breaker. I'm not going to go near you because I know we're not going to get along. Mm. But for some people, that is just a flaw. Yeah. See, I would now say a deal breaker would be terrible with money, because if we're going to be together long term, then I do not want to sync with your ship like you need to be able to be financially stable and you need to be able to be trusted with whatever you're earning I think if you can't do that that is a deal breaker where for lots of people that would just be a flaw is it a deal breaker because you're focused on the money or do you think it's indicative of like a larger personality trait of people that are bad with money at a certain age I think it shows maybe recklessness and immaturity and immaturity yeah I I do think it depends on the age and and things like that but I think at this stage that you're in where you want to be buying a house and be moving into a more sort of mature phase of your life, it would make sense that you want someone that's more mature with you, right? Yeah, 100%. So it's not about the money. Please do come and tell us your deal breakers and your red flags. We would love to know. We know they're so different for everyone. So come and talk to us either on Instagram. You can come to the Bumble Australia Instagram page or the Shameless Instagram page and let's have a chat. Let's do it. We drive Coming up after the break, your green flags. But first, it's time for a Bumble break. 
Zara, in today's Bumble Break, we have a very exciting announcement for our Melbourne listeners. We absolutely do. Next Saturday, August 3rd, Bumble are opening their doors to their very first BFF Hive in celebration of International Friendship Day. Okay, now this actually sounds incredible, but for any listeners who aren't across Bumble's Hive yet, what exactly is involved? So it's where the app you know and love comes to life with activations from your favourite brands like The Daily Edited, Soda Shades and Foreo. And there's a special panel, Michelle, which is particularly special because... I may or may not be hosting it. Yes, I hope you relish the opportunity to be free of me for once for a weekend (laughs) because I'm actually away. But you'll be chatting to the likes of Laura Henshaw and Steph Claire Smith, just to name a few. I am so excited and to make it even better, the Hive is open between 10am and 8pm and is completely free to those who show their Bumble app at the door. Head into your Bumble app now for more details or Mish will see you at Carousel on Albert Park Lake on Saturday, August. Download Bumble today and make the first move. One app, three modes, one mission. Okay, so we've heard about your red flags, but what about the green flags, the signs that your relationship is on the right track? We went back into the beehive to find out. Green flags. Someone that wants to spend a lot of time but just it doesn't have to be like over dramatic like we have to go out and do stuff all the time like it can just be like normal chill time and you can just have fun without like spending money or just being like extravagant you can just like go to Macca's and have fun like yeah yeah, just chill time yeah I think someone that genuinely cares about your life like your everyday boring life that will like call you every day and ask how your day's been sort of thing like somebody who actually cares about the mundane things I think are people that are worth and I think also like people that are like when you're comfortable in silence like you don't feel like you have to talk like you just sit there like on your phones but you're still together like with each other and spending time someone who's like not afraid to express themselves like if they if they're gonna like like okay I like you like that's that's a green flag for me because they're mature humor sense of humor um, really nice, doesn't care about what other people think of them and yeah. Yeah, like someone that like sets aside time for me and like like knows about my schedule and stuff and it's there for me. I guess like just being kind. I think you can just sense a vibe sometimes with people. Not being too guarded um, and then yeah, later on just like making time for you. And Someone that takes the time to get to know my family and friends. It was funny asking people these green flags because people struggled to pinpoint green flags more so than red flags. Absolutely. Why do you think that is? I think it's because we never have conversations about them. So we're never actually teaching ourselves or telling ourselves or reminding ourselves what a green flag is or looks like. I totally agree. I think we do have a problem in society more broadly that we really struggle to define ourselves by what we are pro. We always are talking about what we're against and what we have an anti-stance on. So we're always defining ourselves by what we are not. And I think that's a big character flaw, but it's one that we probably all share. And I know that I definitely do it. I'll often say, I don't like Japanese food, but I won't come out and be like, I love Chinese food and Thai food. And it's really prevalent in our society to always be anti-stuff instead of pro-stuff. 
I think that I struggle to even define green flags because even in the media, which we both worked in for so long, there was such a dialogue all the time of what's wrong in your relationship, constantly looking for the flaws with what's going on. Even with like TV dramas, it's always a discussion around what the relationship lacks. Well, it's always a much juicier read generally to work out or to sell someone a story on something that's wrong with their life because people are obsessed with pinpointing what's wrong with themselves. I mean, even on a very literal note, this segment talking about green flags for us was much harder for me to prep than red flags because I feel like there's not as much to say because sometimes saying what's wrong is much easier than seeing what's right. When we did start our careers in digital media, the conversation around stories and not even just relationship stories, but stories in general was negative stories will outperform positive stories. So if you do have two stories here, 10 signs that your relationship is going well or 10 signs that your relationship is in the gutter, you will always run the gutter story. Mm. Always. Mm. I even remember from the first moment I walked into a workplace being told a negative opinion is always going to be very easy to come by. You will always be able to write an opinion piece pretty easily on something you disagree with. It is so much harder to come up with a positive angle. It is so much harder to come up with a good story that is wrapped in something that's not negative. I do think as well, when you were just talking then, it kind of occurred to me that maybe we struggle to point out the green flags more because they are constant. And they're also probably, if you imagine it visually, the flags are probably a little bit smaller, but they're there every single day in really little ways. They're really small gestures that build up to the green flags of what makes your relationship healthy. Whereas a red flag, it might be one big incident or it might be standing really tall because it's a glaring thing in your life. But the green flags are there all the time and therefore they're kind of invisible to you until you try to look for them. Well, it's like a trickle of a tap, right? It's always going. It's just in a really small volume. I look back on the last sort of five, six years of my life and I think the happiest times in my past relationship were times I never thought about my relationship. Like I wasn't thinking about it. It wasn't on my radar. We were just kind of going through the motions. I think it's the same with how I go through life. The happiest times that I have are times when I'm not actually thinking about my life. And then I look back on a period and think, oh my goodness, that sort of three-month period or one-month period was extremely happy. Well, blissful because you're not stressing about it. I am curious, what are some of the green flags to you that a relationship is healthy? And it could be a friendship because you're single or it could be past relationship, whatever you want to discuss. I do think everybody has different ones, but for me, it's kind of a sense of uncomplicatedness. Mm. that it's it's easy and it works that they have your back I also kind of think that it is the really really tiny kind of acts of service that they will do for you that they maybe wouldn't do for somebody else I know in a past relationship it took me a long time to work out what they were doing for me that I wouldn't necessarily do for them that I didn't realize was probably a huge green flag. Mm. Um, You kind of have to remove yourself. I'm trying to think of examples. Tell me yours while I think. Uh, One that I definitely have for Mitch and I, and I know you hate it when I talk about this because I am such a romantic and I'm a very affectionate person. But one thing that I think has always been constant in the three and a half years that we've been together is I get so excited to see him. Oh, that's Even the fact that we live together and we spend so much time together, I love it when I either pick him up from work or or he walks through the door at the end of the day. I think that's the number one sign that we have something really good together because no matter how much time we spend together, we're always super excited to see each other. Even super excited to like wake up and be like, you're here, my best friend's in bed with me. Like that's an awesome thing as well. I don't hate that at all. I I think for me, whenever I'm talking to my friends about their relationships and if they're not sure if they're in the right relationship, that is genuinely the first question I'll ask. Like, 
is that what you look forward to at the end of the day? Like if you know you're seeing them, is that the happiest part of your day? Because it absolutely should. That was always the biggest green flag for me that Mm. if that was kind of the highlight of my day, then we're doing something right. Exactly. And even enjoying the mundane, like having a show together, it could be The Bachelor and that's your routine and you have a meal that you like to eat when you watch it those kind of little things that still have excitement for you and like a little bit of butterflies I think that's when you're on a really good track I also think uh speaking really specifically about me and Mitch for the for a second I think a really big green flag in our relationship is that he has always wanted to, me to be my own person he's always enjoyed the fact that I have hobbies outside our relationship that I'm career motivated that I've got all this infrastructure that exists outside of him. I think he really enjoys the fact that we can both be individual people while still having a really affectionate relationship. Well, I think that's a general green flag for everybody. I think that's Mm. the first thing that you need to consider that are they giving you the space to actually grow alone, especially when you start dating quite young. I think for a lot of people, if you're starting to date when you're a young person and you're going to change and chop and move around and become somebody else maybe in 10 years, are they giving you the space to do that? I often find myself in conversations with girlfriends about what's lacking in their relationship. Like very rarely will I sit down with a friend. In fact, never will I sit down with a friend unless I probe and say, how is it going? Like, how is it going with you and X? Are you guys happy? And they say, yeah, actually it's going really well. The conversations will always be on the negative. Mm. Um, And I wonder if there's a sense that a lot of people don't really want to brag about their relationship. It's not a very fun conversation to have when people are just telling you how happy they are all the time. It's so funny you bring this up because I actually have a rule that I don't think I've ever vocalized to any of my girlfriends or even you or whatever. I don't really talk about my relationship with girlfriends in a negative way. Like I kind of made that blanket rule after the first six months of being in a relationship because I realized that if you're going to your friends with all the little nitpicky stuff and all the little red flags that you have along the way, they're never going to get the green flags. You're never going to go to a brunch date, sit down and be like, my boyfriend did this for me and he makes me feel this and I love him because of X, Y, and Z. Whereas if your girlfriends are constantly getting all the negative stuff, they're going to have a negative view of your relationship as a whole. And then I don't think their advice is necessarily as broad and as unbiased as it needs to be because they're getting a very specific view of your relationship. I think that's pretty, I think that's selling your friends short, to be perfectly honest with you. Like if I am sitting with a girlfriend and they're telling me something and they need to vent about something, there is no way that I'm going to take that and say he's evil. Like I think we should be able to, as people, be able to Mm. observe a relationship as a whole and say there's clearly something here that works. Um, But more often than not, when I have sat down with my girlfriends and they have wanted to have conversations about maybe what they thought was lacking or what could have changed. The first thing I'll always say now too, coming out of a really long-term relationship is be like, okay, well, I feel like people should really fucking know their love language. And I know it sounds like the lamest thing in the world. Oh, I'm so glad you brought up love language. But I do think um, people should go online and do the love language quiz or actually... Uh, self-reflect enough to know what is it that you do to give love and to show love and what do you think your partner does to give and show love I realized pretty late on that that I was in a relationship where we were in completely different spheres how one person gave love and one person showed love but that was fine so long as you can recognize it wasn't I the one to tell you about the love remember we all did it at work there was like six of us doing it together what did you get I am quality time and words of affirmation yeah I'm words of affirmation and physical touch which sounds like the seediest one ever but I genuinely just like like affection. I think Mitch would be the same, except he would probably be words of affirmation and acts of service, which is like 
they will go and do something for you. So his for me would be like he would clean the entire apartment and that's his way of showing love because he's gone out to go do that. Well, I remember for me when I did that quiz, the first thing I thought after that because I was with someone that was huge on acts of service and I kind of didn't give him the credit to recognize that in that you have to look for the small things. And the small things in this case was every time I went to go and get petrol and I parked my car and got out to get petrol and he was in the passenger seat, every single time we did it, he would get out of the car, stand with me as I put the petrol in, walk in as we paid and came back. That's sweet. And small things like that, you would never think unless you were actually forcing yourself to reflect. He's trying, he's giving me something that I've never given him. And that's him trying to do. That's him showing love. Exactly. But in that moment, you don't think this is love. Like you absolutely (laughs) don't as you're standing at the petrol station thinking this is love. And I think that's why the love languages quiz can be huge in recognizing green flags because you recognize how somebody else shows love. Well, it's also why conversations like this are so important, right? I think it's really helpful to always look for the good in everything. I mean, I remember walking into Mitch's family home very early on in the relationship and I remember seeing how much his parents laughed together And it never occurred to me that that is such a green flag. The fact that you guys laugh together and you genuinely have fun and you enjoy each other's company is such a green flag that goes unnoticed. And I remember pointing it out to his mum later down the line where I was like, I always have admired that about your relationship. And she's like, oh, it's so funny you say that. I don't think about it really ever. And I think it's something that I now notice with Mitch and I. Like, I love that we can have fun together and giggle together. And that's a green flag that you should be thinking about and you should be having conversations with people about because it probably makes you feel better about your relationship when the world is geared so negatively. Well, exactly. I think the other thing though, to consider when we're having this conversation is it is absolutely worth brainstorming green flags, both the ones you have and the ones that someone gives to you. But it's also important to acknowledge that you can't get every single thing you want from one person. And I have made that mistake before and very early on when I was young in that assuming that all my emotional support should come from one person. And I think if you do think that and you're expecting that, you are dooming your own relationship. Agree, totally. I think you need to be able to have multiple people in your life who fulfill you. One person is never going to give you every green flag that you need. You need to be able to have almost like a tribe or an army. And I know we're going to discuss this in another episode of the podcast. You need to have a circle that gives you different things because one person will never fulfill or tick every box on your checklist. It's impossible. And if you find them, let me know because I'll be gobsmacked. (laughs) Well, I think that's all we've got time for today. I think it is. I had so much fun doing this little chat. I know. Love Etc. (laughs) is a production from Shameless Media. You can sign up to Bumble Australia, the social networking app where women make the first move towards friendship, professional and romantic relationships. See you next Friday, guys. See you next Friday.